1: If mama needs a new pair of shoes, looking for a new watch, or you're just looking to try and pay for some kids' tuition, you might want to pay attention right now on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. With Amber Wilson, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. Let's bring in Anita Marks, ESPN Sports Betting Analyst, Daily Wager Contributor. She can pick some games, folks. She can break out, as my grandfather would say, your big chief tablet, your number two pencil. Or in modern age, just get your notes out on your iPhone and get ready. Write them down and hammer away because Anita can pick some games. And Ms. Marks, always enjoy the time every single Thursday. Let's start with, a uh, well, hell, a bad Thursday night game, Anita. <laughs> it's the Carolina Panthers at the Chicago Bears. What are you like in this one?
2: Yeah, I'm going to have some fun with this one because you're absolutely right. It's a horrible game. So, uh, so, you know, how are you going to pique your viewing interest? I'm going to play a ton of prop bets. And there's four particular ones that I'm going to play that I'm going to be able to manipulate because I'm going to play a same-game parlay, okay? So you go same-game parlay. I'm going to play the Bears on the money line. Why? Very interesting here. The Bears extra motivated tonight to beat the Panthers considering they have their first-round draft pick via the trade that they made so that the Panthers could get Bryce Young. So extra motivation, and also I do believe they're the better team. I'm going to play the under at 42.5 because both these offenses are god-awful. We've seen it all season long. I'm also going to play Bryce Young with an interception. He's got seven already on the season. One of the biggest concerns about drafting him last year is how little he is, and he's having a really tough time seeing over his offensive linemen. So I do believe that he's going to throw another interception tonight. And last but not least, I'm going to go Hubbard under 40 and a half rushing yards. Uh, You know, this is a Bears defense. One of the best, believe it or not, in the NFL against the run. They limited Alvin Kamara last week. They're holding running backs to 45 yards or less. And also you've got Miles Sanders back there that's going to take a few of the touches and the carries away from Hubbard. So, again, Hubbard under rushing yards, Bryce Young interception. I'm going to take the under at 42.5, and and I'm going to play the Bears on the money line and the same game parlay. All four of these have to hit, and it's plus 440. So, folks that are listening, so if you put $100 down and all these things hit, you win $440 tonight, and that would be a really nice pair of shoes.
3: So a same game parlay of all prop bets. So you're telling me, Anita, when a game is bad, the strategy is just basically to have fun from the betting angle, right? Like, I mean, that's, right? like that's what I'm that's know? what I'm discovering from you right now.
2: Well, I just I tell people this is I tell people two things. Uh, number one, always wager what you can afford to lose because more times than not, you are going to lose it. And why are you gambling? You're g- I- gambling to me is the price of admission when you go see a movie. It's so that you're going to enjoy the game more. Who's really going to enjoy the 1-7 Panthers against the 2-7 and Bears? No one. But if you've got money on the game that Bryce Young is going to throw an interception or that Foreman is, is going to score a touchdown or Hubbard's going to go less than his rushing total – now it, you, you've, you've got money on the game, you're looking to win some money, and now there's extra motivation to watch how this, this, this storyline plays out. So that's, that's typically when you've, when you've got two bad teams, you hit it off. You hit, you hit the nail on the head when we, when we opened up this segment. Uh, when you've got these bad teams, that's a, that's a fun way to watch a game.
1: Yeah, my brother coaches for one of them. And I can say it, right, because he's family. So And it is the truth. So let's be brutally honest. And if that four-game parlay hits, you get an early start on Christmas, which is 47 yeah. days away, and that's scary. Anita Marks, ESPN Sports Betting Analyst, Daily Wager contributor, joining us here on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. Um, let's look ahead to Sunday. And you've got two games that I am very, very interested in. Let's start with Colts-Patriots. That's a very low number, Colts only a two-point favorite going into a team that is in disarray right now with Bill Belichick at the helm and the two-win Pats. What do you like in this game?
2: Yeah, believe it or not, I'm on the Patriots here, and I'll play them on the money line. You could get that at plus 110. If you want to take the Patriots in the points, it's all good. Also, I think this is a good spot to use the Patriots as a two-team six-point teaser. So what does that mean? Uh, you, you get six points, and you can put it in either direction. So if you put it with the Patriots, now you get the Patriots plus eight, and you align that with another play. Uh, listen, this, page, this Patriots defense is quite good, especially against the the run. So what they're going to do, they're going to try to shut down Taylor as well as Moss and put the game on Gardner Minshew's shoulder pads. I like Gardner Minshew, but he's definitely struggling this season. Uh, And the Colts defense is dealing with a lot of injuries, especially in their secondary. If ever there was a get-right game for Mac Jones, it's this one. And also keep in mind, this is bright and early, 9.30 in the morning on foreign soil, so give me Bill Belichick seven days a week and twice on Sunday when they're playing overseas. Guy knows, you know, as a, as a head coach in the NFL, knows how to travel properly, knows how to get his guys ready to go.
3: Anita Marks joining us here on Amber and Ian. Let's talk Niners-Jags, the story of two teams, two good teams, Anita, but two teams that have been headed very different directions lately.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I know I've been on with you quite a bit I'm not a big fan of Brock Purdy in this 49ers team, right? Like, the warts have have revealed themselves, especially when Brock Purdy doesn't have great offensive line help. And it doesn't sound like, you know, even though they're coming off of a bye and the Jags are coming off of a bye, hopefully he gets Debo Samuel back. Of course he's got C-Mac. But this is a Jags team that I really like, even more than the 49ers. They're coming off of a bye as well. Each and every week, their offense has gotten better and better, and I think their defense is is going to play quite well. I actually like the over here. I think the oddsmakers has this pretty low at 44.5. Again, both teams coming off of a bye. I think Kyle Shanahan is going to tweak a few things. So I do like the Jags, and I also probably my favorite play in this is I like the over at 44.5.
1: I'll tell you what, you know what Brock Purdy really needs is Trent Williams back at left tackle, <laughs> along yep. with Debo, because that and that yep. defense to get healthy as well. I mean, they, they they are banged up. But again, coming off the bye, we'll see how healthy they are. You know the Jets about as well as anybody, Anita, as we shift shift to away from wager game. By the way, if you're just tuning in, Anita's four-game parlay tonight in a game that's about to kick off on Thursday night. Bears money line, the under in that game, Bryce Young to throw a pick, the under in Chuba Hubbard rushing yards at forty-three and a half. Also, uh Colts Patriots, uh, she likes the, the Pats on the money line. If you want to take the points, go ahead. Also, the Jags and then the over in any uh, over in Jacksonville and San Fran forty five and a hook. What did you make of Robert Sala's comments on the Michael K show when he said he's going to take plead the fifth when it comes to Zach Wilson being benched in place of and uh, in, in, um, in, instead of Trevor Simeon getting the start?
2: Yeah. Hey, listen, I, I think he needs to be worried about losing that locker room, right? Um, th- this, this is a Jets team that has been able to win with a really ugly formula, and that is Zach Wilson, just don't turn the ball over. That's all you have to do. Don't turn the ball over. Leave it to our defense to win football games. And he's been able to do that. But what happened in the Chargers game? Unfortunately, they gave up a touchdown uh, with special teams. All of a sudden, now they're down 14 nothing. And Zach Wilson is not the quarterback that's going to come back from being down 14 nothing. That's not the way that this team has been winning football games. And you've got an excellent defense. And they're out there, blood, sweat, and tears. And they know it. They are, they are the straw that stirs this drink. And now you're putting them in a situation where, man, we're down 14 points. We know we can't win this game with Zach Wilson at quarterback. And, so, and, this, and, and keep in mind, this is a, a Bills team and, and, and a Dolphins team that has struggled. This is an a, a AFC East division that is still for the taking. So I, I think this has a lot to do with, with Salo worried that he's going to lose that defense and he's going to lose that locker room unless he makes some changes here.
1: Anita, we always appreciate it. Go kick back and enjoy a bad football game tonight. Thank you so much, as always, for your time.
2: You gotta hope, Hopefully, my my four leg uh, same game parlay hits, and uh, and we're all in the money tomorrow. There we morning. go. And we're on a
1: quick start to Christmas, man. Forty seven days away. Here we go, Anita. Thank you. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next week. Anita Marks, ESPN sports betting analyst, daily wager contributor, joining us here every single Thursday at this time with Amber Wilson on me and Fitzsimmons. And one, I hope she's wrong on the Bears' money line because little bro needs a desperate for a win. But again, this, these short weeks, it's tough, Amber. It is it is hard. I don't As you mentioned earlier, and I think you're spot, it was a great way to put it, you could have Kansas City playing the Bengals and it's still going to be sloppy football in a short week.
3: It's going to be sloppy football. And then now you add in two teams that are sloppy anyways. No offense, Ian. Not special teams. (laughs) Panthers special teams, phenomenal. Everybody else on the Panthers, sloppy. Right?
1: That's how it's done. Uh, I love you so much right now. All right, coming up next, we answer the question that's been posed across the country by so many people. Did the Panthers make a mistake and draft the wrong quarterback? We dive into that coming up right here when you return on ESPN Radio.
0: plus everything's backed by their 30-day money back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. constantcontact.com.
1: Dated myself. In a big way. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> She's Amber Wilson on I'm me and Pit Simmons here on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit progressive.com. So, when I was a producer, when I first got to ESPN in 1998, we used to have what they called the tape room, where you actually had to use the razor blade that people used to cut the booger sugar with, right? And mm-hmm. you had the razor blade, and you had the white chalk, and you had to mark the tape and the cuts to cut highlights. And you take the little, you know, the tape out, you know, and piece things together. It was called the tape room. Well, I was asking because I've, I've got Ole Miss Georgia this weekend. We had Cole Kublik on last night, SEC Network college football analyst. He gave a remarkable breakdown of that game. So I asked James Steele, our producer, "Hey, can you grab that, that, that Cole you know analysis, Cole Kublik analysis of Ole Miss Georgia? Because I'm going to send it to Kelly Stoffer and, and and Mark Kesteshire and our crew. And I, and I, and I said, but you, you don't do it. Just farm it out. Have someone ask somebody in the tape room to do it. And then Matt Lack goes tape room. Mm-hmm. What the hell is a tape room? Yeah, I mean... It's called screening now, I guess, with all the high-tech technology and digital. Yeah, I still refer to it as a tape room, yet it is screening. We can, My we apologies. Can go, we can go do
2: that after we stop at Blockbuster and pick up the latest <laughs> Sega game. Maybe play some
1: Pogs. I hate everybody. I hate every single one of you. I mean, it, with the, to the nth degree. I right, do am- know
3: at least what you were talking about. Now, Matlack probably does not. I do know what you were talking about, because I remember... That concept. I didn't ever have to do it, but right. I heard many stories if you're in this business long enough. And when I first got into this <laughs> business, we had very old studios in Miami on the local station I was on. So they still had some of the old tape reels in the yeah. tape room, right? From when you had to actually splice the reels together.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was uh, a yeah, little thing. How old do you think Matlack is? Amber? The-
3: how old do I think Matlock is? younger yeah. than me. And so, I mean, tape I'm going to go 31. I'm, I'm,
1: we're going birthdays here. I'm going 31 yeah, I, Matlock.
4: Uh, I'm in my Austin Matthews jersey number year of life, if that helps you guys. I mean, doesn't help me at all. Yeah, yeah. i would mean, 34. Yeah. 34, okay, there so you go. Yeah. Watch well, Panthers he's younger, younger games, than me. Yeah. He's
3: not much younger than me, but he's younger than significantly me. Significantly mean,
2: younger than
4: everyone in this room.
3: Right, he's, young, he's younger than all. Well, he's not significantly. You're You're a little nah, big, sig- you're a year younger I'm than a me. I'm a young
4: buck. I'm significantly, significantly younger. <laughs> this is the only time where I'm in the younger part. Don't take this away from me, Amber. Okay, also, sorry. I came back <laughs> with a song <laughs> by Tupac called Old School. So, let him, let him enjoy this the
1: damn moment. All right, let's, speaking of moments, uh, we've kicked off on Thursday night football. It, uh, it's, it's Bears and Panthers, and uh, get ready. We're looking for an under to hit here, under 38 uh, on the game. Uh, that's a bet to your hands bleed. And we're hoping for some ugly, nasty uh, football with maybe like a 9-6 to six Carolina Panthers win, walk-off game-winning field goal. Little bro gets a second win of the season. <laughs> But this one annoys me every single year, and not just in this particular one, but every single year where midway through a season, we have so many people going, they took the wrong quarterback. Which, go Trevor Lawrence, right, when he was a rookie. Oh, look, bust, failure. Go back to when Steve Young was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They gave up on Steve Young. Maybe that's why Tampa, back in the creamsicle days, was so pathetic. He goes on to a, a Hall of Fame career in San Fran. New England gave up on Jim Plunkett. This is, this is not a new thing. You know. But at least Steve Young was given a couple of years in Tampa. Jim Plunkett was given a couple years in New England. Now, Amber, it is – I mean, maybe it's because of everyone has a voice and on your phone and you've got X and Instagram and everything else and everyone has an opinion that now you're not even given a full year. If, if in modern football and the world we live in today – Colts fans would have wanted Peyton Manning cut or traded. He still holds the rookie INT single season record of 28. And now you have people saying the Carolina Panthers, with a mass unit for an offensive line, no Brian Burns, no Shaq Thompson. We go on down the list. They got guys introducing themselves in practice this week. They took the wrong quarterback because of what C.J. Stroud is doing in Houston. It's insane. It it drives that there's there's one thing that is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. It's when so many people, not a vocal minority, but the majority of even our, our, our best analysts across the country are giving up on a quarterback midway through a season.
3: People always had opinions. They just didn't have the platform, right? I mean, this idea that people say, oh, well, people today, they're more this than that, more divided, more opinionated, more this than that. No, no, no. They were always that. We just didn't know. We just didn't know about it. We didn't hear about it. Now we hear about, you know, every single person's opinion. And so the voices sound very loud. And I would imagine that at any point in history, when you had Bryce Young and you had CJ Stroud and the Panthers were in a position to choose either of those guys, and one of those guys is working out significantly better than the other, there was probably a whole lot of people sitting in their living rooms at any point thinking, yeesh, maybe the Panthers made the wrong decision here. If you're a Panthers fan, I also understand the concern. I experienced it as a Dolphins fan for many, many years. There is no conversation about Tua Tungvaloa that Justin Herbert also doesn't get mentioned in. And it's because of the same predicament. The Dolphins were drafting fifth. The Chargers were drafting sixth. The Dolphins could have chosen any quarterback not named Joe Burrow in that draft because Joe was going number one to the Bengals, right? The Dolphins were the next team to take a quarterback in that draft. They chose Tua over Justin Herbert. The rest is history. And for the first couple of years of that history, Ian, it did not look like the Dolphins had made the right decision. And I can't tell you, I was on local in Miami at the time, and I can't tell you how much time we had to spend talking about Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert had an epic rookie season. I mean, epic rookie, like CJ Stroud type rookie season, right? Like CJ is actually reminding me of that. So like Justin Herbert looked so great out of the gate and, and it was so high flying yeah, and the rare. arm and the numbers and it was gaudy and he was breaking records and it's so rare for us to see it. And he was one of those guys that came out straight out of the gate slinging. Now the conversation these years later is a very different story. I mean, Justin Herbert is still a good quarterback. So that still is true. But also, now so is Tua. Tua has the durability, concerns, yada yada. But Tua's a good quarterback. Nobody questions whether he's good nope. anymore. It took years to get there with Tua. It and took a change in coaching staff. It took a lot of weapons coming in. It took a change in circumstances. It didn't take all that for Justin Herbert, so it happened faster. It's entirely plausible that in four or five years, we think both of these guys are good. I think it's probably unlikely that we think C.J. Stroud isn't good, because I feel like we pro- like the, the jury's not still out on that, right? Barring injury, we know C.J. Stroud's going to be a good quarterback. Bryce Young, the jury's still out on, but also two things can be true. Both of these guys, even though they went one and two in a draft, can both end up working out in the national football.
1: Uh, amen. Uh, I completely agree with not mutually exclusive.
3: You. People get yeah. that confused. It's not a mutually yes. exclusive situation.
1: And, and here's the other part. When you mentioned Tua got some weapons. Troy Aikman's talked about this a ton. You know what makes a quarterback better? An offensive line and weapons.
3: Right, and protection.
1: I mean, it's, it, it ain't rocket science, right? Look what Joe Montana had to deal with. Look what Steve Young had to deal with. Look, look what Troy Aikman had to deal with. Look what John Elway, when they got a running game, guess what happened? And Terrell Davis, he won two Super Bowls. They were extraordinary quarterbacks before all of that, but when you added certain pieces, guess what happened? Bam, they went to the promised land. When you have talent around you, It makes it a heck of a lot. Makes you a heck of a lot better. You have outliers like Tom Brady. Tom Brady elevated everybody else's play around him. Where you could take any member of the lollipop guild or any Oompa Loompa who was a five eight white wide receiver, and he would turn him into a damn Pro Bowler. I mean, that was that was just different, right? He was on a whole different plane. And and look, every great quarterback is going to elevate other guys' play. You know, whether it's Alvin Harper with Troy Aikman or going down the list of, of other guys that played just a role around exceptional Hall of Fame type players, like a, you know, to go to Sam Fran, like a Jerry Rice and, you know, and Joe, Joe Montana. you also had Roger Craig. I mean, we can go on down. It's, it's Randy Cross up front. We can go on down the list when but it you've got be talent. Both. Yeah, absolutely. It can be
3: both. Like you yes. can elevate the talent and also the talent can help, right? Like Tom Brady looked better in Tampa at the end than he did at the end of New England because, oh, by the way, Mike talent. Evans and Chris Godwin. Yes, and ma'am. so even even fide talent helps Tom Brady, even though he can elevate it, right? So it can be both. I do think the two a comparison to Bryce Young is a good one also because undersized quarterbacks. And I think undersized quarterbacks, maybe it does take a little bit more in terms of Making that line so- solid in front of Bryce Young, right? Maybe it will take a little bit more in terms of finding the right speed and the right weapons and the yards after catch and all that stuff that you've seen Mike McDaniel tweak with the Dolphins offense. The jury is still out on Bryce Young. It is far, oh, from, over. Yeah. far from over.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Far from over. The jury's going to be out for a year and a half. That man's going to be
3: compared to CJ Stroud for the next decade. It's just going to happen. So buckle up.
1: And you lived it with Tua and Herbert. Yep. Still living still, it as you're your based there in South Florida. Yeah, I, I completely get it. But I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm never going to give up on a rookie quarterback until after his second year, and then we'll truly start to evaluate, in my opinion. And Three if I'm years. Bryce Young, Three I'm years. calling Drew Brees. How do you manipulate a pocket? Coming up next, one of the best running backs in all of college football who's on a top-10 team in a top-10 matchup. His story is remarkable, and he is one of the most gifted backs that an NFL team can get. But guess what? You can't get him yet. He's that young. You'll hear from this remarkable athlete next, right here on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
4: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Again, try Jet's signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code Eight Save. That's the number eight S A V E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be. On, oh, Bet
1: till your hands bleed. I played this one early, and I do mean early. It was at three and a half. It steamed up to four and a half, got to five, now back down to four and a half on ESPN bet. Give me Michigan rolling into Penn State. Early kick, noon kick, and won't, that crowd won't be as lubed up as they normally are for a whiteout. I think Michigan's playing the role of the villain. They've embraced it, as our All-American Zach Zinter said. They're an outstanding guard. Give me Michigan, hacked off to the nth degree, rolling into Penn State and hanging a big number on the Nittany Lions. Bet to your hands bleed. With Amber Wilson, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. You're on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM at Channel 80. And we have a massive tilt coming up between the hedges, Amber. Uh, Number two, Georgia against number nine, Ole Miss. And this is one where Kirby has the longest win streak uh, going in the country as far as home win streak, active win streak. Um, I think they're 24 straight at home. That is second in the history of the SEC behind Big Bad Bama at 26 under Nick Saban. Uh, Before we hear from Q Judkins, who was a remarkable story and and a heck of a running back for Ole Miss, maybe one of the more underrated running backs in all of college football, Brock Bowers, tightrope surgery. Some are saying we might see him Saturday in, in between the hedges. Amber, I'm not counting on that. Well, what are you expecting to see from Georgia coming off a close loss, a close win, excuse me, against a tough Missouri team?
3: Yeah, I'm seeing that the return is more and more likely, even as of today. I mean, the Georgia Bulldogs this season, I think, are interesting. I wonder if some of it is a little bit Georgia fatigue, like where they've set the bar, obviously, now going for the three-peat. And so when they don't look completely dominant at any one point, point, there's a lot of parity in this college football season, are people quick to turn their eyes away? Away from Georgia, and expect that at some point somebody's going to get that team. For me, it's still Georgia or a bus. I also wonder, Ian. And I I would get, I would be interested to hear your perspective on this because I think we've gotten so accustomed to these number one pick types where they lead the best team right in the last decade, you know, the Joe Burrows and Tua Tungvaloa's and Trevor Lawrence's of the world. And with Georgia, Carson Beck last week, you know, what, 263 total yards, a couple touchdowns. I mean, it's not, it's not monster numbers. It's not. Unbelievable, high-flying type stuff by any means for the Georgia Bulldogs, but they're still solid. They're still solid on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Kirby is very, very solid. For me, Georgia still would be at the top of my power rankings until I'm given notice otherwise.
1: Yeah, and you know what? You you make a great point on Carson Beck. He's getting better every week. Now the numbers aren't gaudy: over twenty-seven hundred yards, sixteen touchdowns, four only four INTs, completing over seventy percent of his passes. But he is getting better and better every week, and he's had. Running backs that have been hurt. Brock Mm -hmm. Bowers is hurt. A first-round surefire. Latest mid-first in Mims. His his outstanding tackle. He had tightrope surgery also after the South Carolina game. So they've been nicked up, but they still find ways to win. And here they are undefeated against a hungry... Ole Miss squad. I can't wait to call this game with Mark or Kelly Stoffer here on ESPN Radio. 7 o'clock Eastern kick. It'll also be on ESPN. Tune in. Dial in. It should be a dandy. Georgia, a big favorite. 10.5 point favorite at home between the hedges on ESPN bet. And that's where I started the conversation with, with Q Judkins, one of the best running backs in college football. Nicked up early in the year and now he's sitting his stride again. Nearly 800 yards on the ground. 12 touchdowns. First-team All-SEC as a true freshman at a Pike Road High School. A little bitty town, about 8,000 people in Alabama. Lane Kiffin was the first one to go recruit him. He had 40 offers. Stayed loyal to the Lane train even when Big Bad Bama came in and offered him. And he said it was just because of Lane's personality. They just gelled. And when it comes to going on the road, I posed that question to him. What is it about going on the road? A lot of elite athletes... Like to shut up a crowd at home instead of winning at in their own place. How about you? What's more enjoyable, shutting up a crowd on the road, like between the hedges against Georgia, or getting a W at your place?
5: I would definitely this year. I would prefer to play at home. You know, our fans and supporters of the Ole Miss program have been nothing but awesome this year. They've packed out every single home game and stayed the majority the whole time. So I definitely would prefer to play at home. It would definitely more be more be more than fun to play in Athens and make the whole stadium go quiet so looking forward to it for sure
1: what's that like going on the road and getting a win especially against a big-time opponent and you're leaving and everyone is just hacked off except for you all. I
5: don't think it's I don't think it's another feeling like it to go into another stadium that is overpacked with over a 100,000 people and at the end of it it's almost empty so, <laughs> when you win the game, I think it's just it shows you what the sport and what teamwork is all about. Honestly,
1: you know, Q, you, you mentioned the work ethic, the sport, everything that, that surrounds a great game of college football. I mentioned you mm-hmm. from Pike Road, you know, Pike, Alabama, Pike Road High School, population about nine thousand. You, everyone yep. I talked to around Ole Miss, you have an unbelievable work ethic. Go back to growing up. Where does that work ethic come from, going back to your roots in Pike, Alabama?
5: I think that was, um, I I would say it's come from just my upbringing by both of my parents. Um, Just the way I was raised and just anything you do, you go in in, in full speed and just give everything you have because – You know, one day it may not work, or even if it does work, you still know that you gave it everything you had. So I think that's just my upbringing, that my work ethic always has to be up to par.
1: If you didn't do your chores growing up, what would happen to you?
5: Um... I don't know. It's never really been a time that I haven't done it. So I, I, I think I think I probably got reminded to do it and got off on, got off on the side. But I think I've been good for the most part. That's pretty.
1: I'm batting a thousand when in the, in the chore department with mom and dad, right? I mean, that, that that's, yeah. that's, again shows that you're a smart young man as well. I didn't. I took a beating every now and then growing up on a farm in Louisiana. So uh, for, yeah, you know, yeah. Full I'm disclaimer. <laughs> full disclaimer. Right? Do the right thing. Get in the ball really quickly. When you watch this Georgia defense, what stands out to you?
5: I think this Georgia defense is very familiar to uh, Texas A&M in a way because they have such good players up front. But I think also what separates them is that they have great players on the back end as well. Um, I think that like their safeties and corners, they're, they're good players all around, and they float to the ball very well, um, physical and they're just a well coached team overall. So that's something that we have to be prepared for going into this week and just something that we have to scheme up for.
1: As we turn you loose, you just came off a remarkable game and a, and a remarkable win over Texas A&M, who has one of the best defensive fronts against the run, and not just the SEC, right. but in all of college football. At 38-35, you sure. guys come away victorious. What did you learn about your team in that close win against that mighty front for the Aggies?
5: I wouldn't say I more so learned anything, but something that I did see this weekend, this past weekend was that, you know, our team didn't lose any faith in ourselves. You know, we knew that like our defense was going to hold those guys up. And then at the end of the game, we knew like when uh, the field goal block was out there, we knew that they would do their job. So I think it was just more so that everyone had faith and that the team has really come together. And like, it's a real brotherhood, like, on the last drive of the game, like Coach uh, Kiffin said in the interview, he was like, we knew what we scored. We just didn't want to score that fast. So it's, it's like almost everyone believes in everyone, and it is that way. And um, I think it showed on Saturday for sure. Hey,
1: man, stay healthy. Can't wait to see you on the field between the hedges. Best of luck, now, and we'll see you out there on Saturday.
5: Thank you. That's
1: Q, that's Q Judkins. He is soft-spoken, but, man, wicked smart, and he plays with power behind his pads. You wouldn't know it. A that mild-mannered, soft-spoken voice, that dude is an absolute beast. And his hair, beautiful, split right down the middle. I mean, he doesn't get any better. Half blonde, half black. He is an absolute animal and a joy to watch. With Amber Wilson, on me, and Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio. We'll have that game. Georgia Ole Miss right here on ESPN Radio. 7 o'clock kick on ESPN. Chris Fowler, Kirk Herb Street, Holly Rowe on the call.
3: You know, Ole Miss is still Kirby Smart's largest margin of defeat since he's been at Georgia. I think that was Georgia's first year, or yep. his first year at Georgia, rather. Ole Miss beat them 45-14, to 14. so there's a little extra juice here maybe always for Kirby, and then I would imagine covering this game for you, Ian, is extra fun when you have a personality like Lane Kiffin.
1: Oh, he, well, it, it's, it's, he and I have a love-hate love, relationship.
3: But I just meant from a material perspective. Oh, I don't he's know awesome. Lane personally, he's but awesome. I just uh, know, I mean he, just for years, he, I mean even when he was at FAU and I was in local Miami and we'd end up talking about them and his program. I mean, he just provides so much content from that perspective. It's when, it's glorious.
1: When I say love hate, like if he's in a good mood, we'll have a great conversation. If he's not, he doesn't even remember who the hell I am. He's like, mm-hmm. "Who are you? Why are you talking to me?" He actually said that to me <laughs> once when on I feel like, "Why why are you coming up to me right now?" Really? Oh yeah, I mean it's just him. Doing he's my he's, job, he's but, hilarious but okay. as hell. I, I, I love Lane. I, I think he's fun, great for college football. Mm-hmm. Takes the subtle digs on social media, and you saw him on Game Day last week, where you know Game Day's at Alabama against LSU, and his final words were, "Oh, I'm also told that I guess we're supposed to be rooting for LSU since we lost to Alabama. So hey, go Tigers." <laughs> and then he's walking away, right? And the whole crowd starts booing and cursing him. And you see this bleep-eating grin come across his face because mm-hmm. he knew exactly. He just he got the exact reaction that he wanted to as Alabama's former offensive coordinator. So to your point, he is different. And you and you heard Q and I talking about chores in the, the small town that he grew up in, in Pike, Alabama. We had an issue around the Fitzsimmons household.
3: No, ruh-roh.
1: My girls, I told this story at the end of the show last night. My daughters were a little, uh, I need to do some more chores around the house. You know, the wife was finally broken. You know, they weren't hanging their clothes up. And um, there was already on, she had them on hangers. All you do was just hang them in the closet. And then she went upstairs yesterday and they were just on the floor right there. There, you know, not putting dishes in a dishwasher. So we had a little come to Jesus last night, not yelling and screaming, just a damn it. I'm sincere voice disappointed, which is much worse as a kid. Then mm-hmm. the belt or a riding crop or you know a halter or a lead shank. When you grow up on a third-bed horse farm, you get whipped with every weapon you could find if you didn't do your chores. I think it worked. I mean, the younger one had a little bit of a lip quiver. A, mm-hmm. a white face of fear came across my older daughter, Rowan's face. She's going off to college soon. She needs to do, learn how to do damn laundry.
3: I mean, lo- yeah, life is going to come at her so, so fast. My mom... Stopped doing our laundry or having anybody do our laundry when I was in middle school, like early middle school for me. But given I had a brother who was older, who he was in high school at the time. But nevertheless, so I, I mean that that ship sailed for me early, and I had to learn to do my own laundry. And honestly. Probably the best thing she ever did. And she'd have this woman come to our house to clean. And I would watch this woman do my mom's laundry. And I'm like, yo, mom. You're I, like, what's my name, you Skip? Just, <laughs> like, yeah, you can't yeah, throw a couple of my items in there, well, too. And she's like, nope, you're going to learn. And I learned.
1: <laughs> well, when it comes to chores, you know, we, we would give them an allowance, but they really wouldn't do them anyway. So finally, after we've enabled these two for so many years, now they get nothing, and they still have to do it. I mean, yeah. whether it's picking I up the poop in the out background outside. or cutting grass, whatever it may be. So now this morning, it was like Marine style. They woke up about 15 minutes earlier. I mean, we were, they weren't rushing for breakfast. Dishes went into the dishwasher. I mean, it was cat looked at me at when they, when they drove off to school, cat turns around, takes a sip of her coffee and goes, oh, that was nice. Oh, like, it was. She goes, how long will it last? Yeah, <laughs> what well, we're about to find out. Maybe they should get we- a reminder. I don't know.
3: Yeah,
1: well, oh, they'll get a reminder. They were I taking promise advantage
3: you. of the situation. Yeah. If oh, was what was mean, if, if they were that-
1: boys, if they were boys, they would have been beaten to a pulp years ago. Because, but their daddy's girls. It was. I, I am the enabler. It was completely my fault. Now we are trying to and attempting to correct <laughs> a wrong, and for at least one morning, we are on the right path. For one
3: for one day you got it. You got your household
1: under control. For one stinking day. Score update, kids. Uh we have a fourth and twelve Bears in Carolina Territory, two thirty-four to go in the first. Uh the Carolina Panthers lead seven to nothing on an eighty-seven-yard punt return touchdown. How about them special teams in Carolina? There you Field go. goal's good, seven to three. Carolina leads the Chicago Bears. In college, thank you very much. In college football, we have Louisville on top of Virginia. 7-0, 327 to go. The Cavs, uh, the Wahoos there, Virginia, fighting hard in Louisville. Louisville's a 20-point favorite. She's Amber Wilson, on me Fitz Fitzsimmons. Coming up, we'll preview more of the big matchups in a marquee Saturday on the College Grid right here on ESPN Radio.
4: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships.
3: Be a lot of jumping in the stands by college football fans this weekend because we've got a great slate here of college football games headed our way in week 11 of 14. Amber and Ian's on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me at Amber W Sports. So let's break down some of these games that we've got coming up. Your game this weekend, Ian, you've got Ole Miss B. And Georgia, we talked about it a little bit already, but I do want to get your thoughts because you will be on the call for this game. Obviously, this one right here on ESPN Radio. What are your thoughts? You can't give me too much of a prediction. You have to play Switzerland, but tell me what you got on this thing.
1: Well, uh, Lane Kiffin mentioned earlier today that they have quote they have nothing to lose. We're going up against a two-time national champions. We're a double-digit dog. We're at their place. What do we have to lose? We're gonna play like we have nothing to lose. And you know what that tells me? Frazier Muzzin, punter, old miss. Mm-hmm. Do you even need to make the trip? Because I think Lane Kiffin, if it's fourth and even gettable, even in his own on his own end, he's gonna be going for it. Because if you hear that kind of tone from Lane Kiffin, you know he's gonna roll them bones. So that's my initial reaction. Hearing that today, get ready because they're yep. gonna go up tempo as they do. But they're going to be taking a lot of risks, Amber. They're going to go for it a ton. Mr. Muzzin, you might not even have to put the pads on.
3: This game obviously has implications nationally, but huge implications in the SEC. The game will kick off at 7 p.m. Eastern. That means coverage will begin right here on ESPN Radio at 6 p.m. Eastern. I assume I'm making 7 o'clock Eastern. Oh, seven o'clock is when coverage begins?
1: Coverage begins oh, at 6 there o'clock you go. Eastern. 6 seven. o'clock. See,
3: that's what I said. Yeah. 6 o'clock, right? Oh, yeah, okay. 6 o'clock yeah. Eastern. 7 Tune o'clock in. kick. Yes, there you go. To my ESPN knowledge, it'd be no math. 6 o'clock Eastern. Let's talk about some of these games you can actually give us a more hard-hitting opinion on Alabama and Kentucky.
1: Look, Kentucky's in a bit of a ditch right now. I mean, now 6-3, and 3-3 three, three and three in conference play. They're an 11-point dog on ESPN bet, uh, and Bama is starting to roll. Chris Braswell is one of the most improved players in college football who plays opposite Dallas Turner. They were both in Will Anderson's shadow, and Dallas Turner's going to be a mid-first-round pick. 1-5 will just flat out get after our quarterback. But Jalen Milrow is the story. He's getting better and better every single week. You'll hear from him coming up in the next hour of the program. He's a, his attitude is infectious, Amber. He has just this energy about him, and he is shaking off that early season rust. Not even rust, just, just, just trying to find a rhythm. And he and Tommy Reese, as those who have gotten in it, watch out, Bam is starting to hit their stride. And all those people are saying, oh, the dynasty's over after that South Florida game. I don't, I don't hear you right now for some reason.
3: Yeah. Well, the dynasty maybe has gotten a little bit more complicated, and it didn't look quite like the dynasty at the beginning of the season, but that's what's great about college football this season. Now, though, Bama looks uh, – they look like Bama. Jalen Milrow, as you ooh. mentioned. He certainly has hit his stride. Kroger Field also has not provided – Any sort of advantage for Kentucky this season? They've dropped key SEC East games there against Missouri, against Tennessee. So I don't know about that home field advantage pulling through for Kentucky. Let's talk about Tennessee and Missouri. Talking about another SEC game here. What do you make of this one?
1: I wouldn't bet this game with your money, Amber. I know you got a lot of it. I mean, this is one where you know Tennessee's favored by two. It's 13 v. 14. Which Tennessee team is going to show up? Defense has gotten better with Herring and company. They have a great one-two punch at running back with Wright and Smalls, but I mean, Missouri is also coming off a very, very physical game, emotional game at Georgia where they had a legit shot to beat the Mighty Dogs and just couldn't quite get it done. Brady Cook is a remarkable quarterback throwing for over 2,400 yards. What, 16 touchdowns, around four or five picks. A quarterback from Missouri. Schraders an outstanding is creeping up on 1,000 yards. I wouldn't go near it, though. I expect a hard-fought, last-possession-type game. This one's going to be close. Don't bet it.
3: Don't bet it.
1: Don't go near Tennessee,
3: it. Tennessee, coming off of last season, where we thought what they were really going to build on there, maybe a little bit of a letdown here this season, this game. 7-2, and
1: two, man. Yeah, it's, it's not bad.
3: It's not bad, but we are talking about a team that was, I mean, at the top of the rankings last season at one point. Now they're sitting at 14th. They're certainly not bad. It is a good Tennessee team. It is a good Missouri team. 14 taking on 16, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Let's move on, though, outside of the SEC. USC is at Oregon.
1: Oh, Lord, man. Alex Grinch, you know, dismissed as a defensive coordinator. That had to be a tough thing for Lane Lane Kiffin. Lincoln Riley to do uh, because Alex Grinch and he are very tight. They were even at Oklahoma together. Yep, Watch out. Oregon is playing elite football. That offense with Bo Nixon and company and, and Franklin, I mean, and Johnson and wideout, Bucky Irving and running back. I mean, my, they got weapons. Miss Wilson, the number's 15 for a reason, and depending on how I do in the early games, I might hammer this thing because Oregon is rolling. And at Autzen, I expect Oregon to put a massive number up on that sieve of a USC defense. Get ready. The
3: defense is a very big problem Seventy-four and a half and a half
1: total, by the way, in this game. Seventy-four and a half.
3: and a half. Plus, weren't people making a big deal out of Cable of Williams crying? I don't know what that has to do with yeah, anything. Nothing. I liked it. It showed emotion. It showed he cares. It means absolutely nothing, but there you go. Do with that what you will. Oregon's ranked 6th in the country. USC is not ranked right now. That's a problem for USC. Oof. This game also, it's a problem for all of us East Coasters. It doesn't kick off until 10:30 p.m. Eastern. Oh. Utah Washington, one second. Who you got?
1: Uh, I think it's be closer than most people think. Utah fights fight you, man. They have a hell of a defense, and, and Washington coming off an emotional win, I think that's going to be closer than most people think.
3: That's your other really big game of the weekend, 13th-ranked Utah, 5th-ranked Washington, that one Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern. It was a heck of a week in college football. Coming up next here on Amber and Ann, what does the future hold for Daniel Jones and Ryan Tannehill? We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app.